Hello and welcome back to the uh, Handstand Cast. This time without the Emmett Lewis. Um, he is busy with uh, things. So this week you'll listen to me rambling on, um, having a monologue with myself. Um, yeah, so I guess I have to start this in the regular manner of things, uh, rambling on for several minutes before actually starting to talk about anything of substance. So what is there to ramble about? Um, not much news, really. Uh, I'm in Norway at my mom's place, having played a few shows for some school children around this region of Norway. Uh, the region is called Trøndelag, and it's pretty much... Yeah, there's not much here, really. Um, it was a rather interesting experience, um, traveling from basically living on Manhattan, um, where I was when I was visiting New York a few weeks back, and then I traveled to a place called Löckenverk, where the population density of that area is around, I think, three people per square kilometer. So it is rather small. And uh, yeah, I've been playing school shows around there. It's really cold, it's really pretty, um, and that's about it, I guess. Um, so, uh, the topic of this episode that I was thinking to talk a little bit about were like a couple of the common myths of handstand. I mean, I guess you've seen several breakdowns of those uh, through, like scattered across the internet for several years. Um, I've done some myself as well. Um, and I just thought to take a little bit of um, uh, an analysis of this because, of course, um, there are certain of these myths that are more relevant to dig into than others. And, um, yeah, to start off with this, I mean, what is a myth? So, um, I mean, what, what we commonly refer to, of course, in this context is like things that are said that you need to do that are not necessarily true. Basically, people not necessarily knowing what they're talking about, and then they tell you, well, you need to do this or else you won't be successful in doing the thing. Um, and then that can kind of solidify into a cue, which then um, people start thinking is very relevant where it in reality might not be so relevant. So um, to kind of define what, or like the way I like to define this is like, first we need to look at the things that are, like quote unquote necessary to stand on our hands and then we can look at the things that are optional and there are many of the optional things that are very good to do and I um, definitely recommend a lot of the uh, optional things myself but we need to, we need to just uh, distinguish between the two because uh, the necessary things well you cannot stand on your hands if you do not do them whereas uh, you can stand like you will be able to stand on your hands and then perhaps have certain pros and cons uh, in um, relation to what you want to learn and technique and all that stuff uh, with the yeah with the optional ones. So the necessary components, I mean, is of course you need to you need to resist the ground. I mean, you need to apply some force into the ground in some way or other. I mean, you need to tense some muscles, or else you will fall down. Like there is, there is no option. If if you do not tense muscles in any way, shape, or form, you will just fall to the floor like a pudding. So you need you need to use muscular force, and 
you need to, to some degree, flex your shoulders, meaning bringing the arms above head to some degree or other. Uh, if you don't bring them very far, you're in a planche. Uh, you're on your hands, but you're in a planche. If you bring them further and further up, you become more vertical and you get into what we know as a handstand. So you need to resist the ground, i.e. tense some muscles, and you need to flex your shoulders so that you can put your body inverted onto your hands. Uh, another thing you need to do is then to uh, rebalance the body. Like, if you do not respond to the various things that happened, uh, happen to basically the fluid bag that you are full of blood and bones and things uh, if you don't respond to the movements of it well you will always also fall so these things are necessary like it won't be a prolonged handstand unless you do both of these things um and then there's like of course a myriad of other things we could uh, could look into and like if let's say if we would look at like the one arm handstand or the press there will be more also like necessary things but these are like the main ones, I'd say. Like we need to uh, get ourselves inverted and we need to make sure we have enough force through the shoulders and arms and uh, torso, even uh, hips, legs, etc. So that we, that we don't just fall down and we need to respond to the movements of the body, i.e. balance. So these are the same things we would be doing on our legs if we're just standing, like you are using the, the, the muscles of your legs and your hips and your everything to maintain an erect posture. And then uh, you need to respond to the movements of the body to maintain balance, if that means walking or standing or anything. Process is the same. Um, so if we look at kind of the more optional ones, and I guess this is where the actual interesting chunk of things start coming into play. Um, there is a myriad of them, and uh, like exact hand placement, exact elbow placement, exact shoulder placement, where you have your head, where you have your torso, all these things end up literally being optional to some degree or other. You could contort your body into more or less any position as long as you, you do the previous two things. You... Uh, you have enough resistance uh, and enough muscular tension in whatever posture you're in to maintain the, hand, the, the position and you balance it. If you do those things, you're, you are still in the handstand. Um, and, um, but of course, like we could start looking at like the things that um, yeah, are more of these, these myths and kind of the, the, the things that people tend to sometimes promote as very... Uh, necessary, even though they are more optional. Uh, so one one of the uh, the ones I thought to take up in the beginning is basically like this this notion that is quite outspread. That is that there is a specific way that you need to train your handstands to get good at them. So with with then the emphasis on need. So as if there is a rather um, narrow path that you need to be following in terms of both your the way you practice. And the way you kind of configure your body upside down, uh, because you cannot get good at it unless you do this. And this is true to a degree. Uh, the better you want to become, the more of a strong understanding of your general positioning needs to be, because you want to do a lot with this upside down structure you're creating. Like you want to be able to move it around. You want to be able to be stable in a certain way 
to be able to, let's say you want to do a side bend, you want to make sure you bend as much from the waist as possible, not, not, not bending the arms as much as possible, because that's going to make it possible to do flags, etc., in a different way than if you would bend the arms a lot. So yes, there are, there are like, there's a lot to this um, sentiment, um, but um, I think it can certainly be taken too far uh, where there is like presented a certain way that you, you you need to be training like this or else you will not get the the results you desire. Uh, and it can be very problematic because um, as a coach, of course, of course, you want the best for your students and you try to guide them in the direction you, you want to um, and that you think is appropriate for them. And uh, then it's, um, there are of course a bunch of things that you would want to say and and kind of guide someone like let's say someone wants to learn to press but they have no hamstring flexibility whatsoever and their shoulders are leaned forwards and their handstand well if they want to get good at learning the press then they need more or less need in quotation marks but they need to uh, uh, align their, their handstand better and they need to work on their uh, hamstring flexibility so that the movement will be more approachable more easy to learn less stress on wrists etc etc so uh, in in such a case, it's it's a very valid point, but uh, let us say we we go more specific. Like someone is working on like fingertip support and one arm handstand, and the instruction is well, you need to hold this for for five sets of thirty seconds, for example. It's not an unreasonable uh, thing to say, uh, but uh, there is there is no magic about five sets nor thirty seconds, but it's. It could act as kind of a, a signifier of control, etc., which is good. But then there's a bunch of other things. Okay, is, is the person actually aligned in a position where it'll carry over to to a further learning one arm balancing? Um, like, what is the quality with which the exercise is done? Essentially speaking, um, but but also just like the idea that you must be able to do this to progress, or else it will not work. This is basically the thing that I am skeptical towards because you will find you'll find a lot of variation within this and of course you will have some sort of bell curve in in relationship to certain amount of control and strength and uh, endurance and so on but <clears throat> you will find uh, a lot of variation and this is important because that puts it very much in the optional category and where it becomes a very personal practice where you need to understand, okay, so what, where, where am I at in my practice? Like, do I need to adhere specifically to these seconds, or is there other, is there an other means of progress that that could also be relevant, for example? And like as I said, it might certainly be a good thing, and I also use similar kind of um, criteria myself, but. Uh, we need to just know that these are not universal. They are good indicators, but the kind of the universal nature of them uh, needs to be put in question. And this you could kind of look up, look at through all of the various types of um, uh, of skills. You can see you can see this in weightlifting as well. Like if someone wants to lift, like to increase their max by this and this much, you will have people coming out with different methods telling them well you should work like this and like this for for this long and then you move up your weight and so on and this will have like a variation what we do what they do um have in common is of course that there will exist some sort of a progression in it like i.e getting better um 
so yeah there is a lot to unpack within that one but like as i said gist of it being there there are several ways to roam here and we just need to 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 remember that um and that also brings me for uh, like over towards kind of the next thing which is very connected in the sense and that it's it's this thing about like technique uh, and technique is kind of this perfect solution as if uh, and for me the issue is that technique is something that in very many ways can be explained i can tell you what the technique is for the exact setup of a one-arm handstand for example you need to have the hips in more or less these angles depending on your body then you need to have the pressure like so on like so in the shoulder and feel this in your hand you move your other hand off in this particular manner and that to me is is technique this uh, this blueprint that you can explain in words and in drawing and in concept you can make someone understand what they're trying to achieve very well uh, but they might not be able to do it whatsoever um, and I think that there is like since technique is kind of a vague thing it's a very much of a sort of a symbol that is like it's easy to kind of visualize and get the notions of but to implement into your body is a very long-term process um, and then there is this idea with technique that like oh yeah when your technique is good you don't need to use so much strength you don't need to like uh, make so much effort and so on which is true certainly but very often from my experience uh, it kind of comes in the opposite direction like because we if we say that technique is a specific execution requiring strength flexibility and body awareness uh, I think that it and I've experienced and seen that it often kind of emerges as a result of enough body awareness enough strength enough flexibility to be able to pull off the thing so it becoming sort of more of an emergent property of several other kind of subsets of skills um, I think is a reasonable thing to say um, and uh, that also means that uh, it's less mystical because if, if like I've kind of and also in my early years of training I was like looking for like whoa but if, if there's just this this thing I need to get if I'm just there with the weight and just there to wait and I was like spending a lot of time analyzing and thinking and like trying to find this kind of perfect solution chasing this thing that was always out of reach but maybe I could find the right one and everything would be easy and it's it's the other way around um, and basically what I mean is like you over the time you develop the capacity of strength that you need to be able to hold your body in the particular uh, position so that that becomes easy because it's like it's past like your level of of strength is past what you need to just hold it for a bit so it goes more into kind of like lower intensity ranges like your body doesn't need to tense up everything at the same time time anymore because like it's comfortable there like your mobility is good enough so that like you you have favorable angles when you enter uh you have good body awareness so you don't make any large mistakes on the way there so you don't need to kind of add extra variables and speed and movement to an other otherwise kind of already unstable position uh like that is what technique kind of becomes you become able to execute it technically well because of the other subsets of things and of course there is kind of an interplay and kind of an oscillation back and forth here you need to think about it you need to kind of be aware of like what you're trying to do and all of this but it's also very important to remember how how big of a an impact just the 
basically the days and the weeks and the months and the years of practice like adapts your body to being able to do this. And then you come in after several years and hey, it's actually not so heavy to do. Like what was crushingly heavy before is suddenly not a big deal because all of these things kind of start aligning in the sense that like you, you become a little bit better placed. You actually do use a little bit less force because you know what you're doing and your your body configuration is better and so on and so on. So it's a very large interplay with between many factors. And I think technique is kind of the emergent property of all of those um, coming together. And of course, that is something that um, that is just kind of a definition. I feel technique is is a very um, how to say it's a word that you can put a lot of different things into, and I guess everyone kind of does or everyone does put different things into it. Um, so um, it's it's certainly not a um, end be all kind of uh, explanation of what it is. Um, but also just this um, another kind of technical fallacy just to continue on this is like this kind of thing of alignment versus balance which is then the essentially the same thing like because you can find people with perfect of one of them and none of the other um particularly on kind of low and mid level you'll find people that are fantastically well aligned and simply struggle like hell to balance of some of the best examples of this are sport acrobatics flyers and people that can one arm and do all kinds of stuff when they're on the base and their placement and their understanding of where they are in space and like the lines and stuff is is, is rock solid but they do not need to balance they, they don't have or they haven't developed the response mechanism of the of the entire body to react to everything that's happening because their job is the opposite to not react so the base can do their job so you can find a very high level of like just alignment and no balance whatsoever um and you'll you'll find this with beginners too they kick up their first times and it's just it's perfect it looks great but they just don't understand what to do there um and uh, then you have the opposite people who can balance like killers or absolutely glorious at like just holding their body in the handstand uh, for very long periods of time or in very hard positions but like the alignment of such is just not there and um the thing is of course at the absolute highest levels and i would say again bell curve on average the people that are pretty good uh, have a decent amount of both and it has to be said to in in favor of alignment that like there is a reason that this technique has and this like certain way of of placing the body in like this straight line and so on has come come to be the kind of the the um how to say the meme that has taken over and i mean meme in the scientific sense not the internet lol uh but the the concept that has kind of overtaken the arch back and so on like it 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 does contribute to more var variations than the arched back does and it allows us to use it in yeah just it gives the hands that more versatility uh as well as it actually you're 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 stacking the joints rather well so that you're you don't need as much a brute force to hold yourself there once you actually know what to do well i.e technique um so uh and like since you can find these these two uh categories of people that are great at one and not at the other i mean they are they are different capacities of the body and um 
it has often been kind of uh, proclaimed that like, yeah, a great alignment just makes you an amazing at like amazing at balancing. Whereas like it doesn't make the balancing any easier in the beginning if you do not know what to do. Uh, because you need to learn how to respond with your fingers and you need to learn how to respond with your shoulders. Once you start approaching kind of like intermediate level stuff and controlling underbalance and learning tucks and like that sort of stuff, then yes, it does make it easier because your shoulders will not need to travel as far to be able to tuck the legs or to control underbalance as they would need to if you have a more arched back or like shoulders in front type of position. So there's certainly something to be said for it, but um, they are different um, concepts entirely. That That is just like, one, one is just uh, being able to configure your body in a particular shape. The other is, is being able to maintain central mass over base of support. So, uh, and of course, if you want to get good at this stuff, then you are very well off working on both of them. And since they are different capacities, um, I usually argue for the... Um, the fact that you can work on both at the same time, and since you work on both, or like since they are so different, you're just learn you're teaching the body to respond with fingers. So that's kind of the first thing that needs to happen, for example. And then you are also working it like without the balancing component, you work on the wall, like with alignment drills and so on, and you're teaching your body's body um, several like several parts of the skill. Uh, but separated into different uh, exercises, and hence over time you start like putting these together. Um, the further on you go into the vocabulary, the more complicated these things become, because um, that's like the main thing that me and Emmet usually rant on about. Like bodies are different, people are different, and uh, this will start expressing further and further the, the like the further on into the vocabulary that you that you are. So. Uh, the harder level things that require like much more kind of strength to weight ratio or they require a lot of specific flexibility etc uh, you will see more kind of adjustments uh, in relation to like the body changing uh, and or like you changing the technique to sort to suit your body rather than uh, trying to force the body to do something that it might not be uh, as comfortable with and on certain skills, this is very, very hard to do. And you will usually find like a quite, uh, or people with very similar capacities being able to do them. Like, yeah, for example, full planche, while uh, with others, you um, like, since there, there are not too many ways of doing a full planche, it's like apply force, force to the floor and stay, stay horizontal. And that is basically it. Of course, there's some technique to that too, but um but yeah, like it is, um, and I entirely forgot what I was supposed to say, but I'm, I'm sure it wasn't that important. I mean, uh, we were talking about handstands here. <laughs> so, um, yes, another one is, um, uh, are there any magic cues uh, or are there just different things that fit people at the time they learn uh, them? Um, and what I mean with that is basically, Oftentimes, including myself, I hear people like, whoa, yeah, I got this one tip that just like, I changed everything. Or like, yeah, now my handstand is completely different. And as if like the in internal sensation of everything is different after one cue. And um, then often you look at them and it's like, yeah, I don't see so much difference, but nice that you feel great. Um, 
and sometimes you do see the difference, of course, but what I've been thinking about is like, since you have so many different people that are taught with different methodologies, slightly different techniques even, um, that are able to pull off a lot of the same stuff, uh, then, um, and like the thing is, when you look at them perform it, like the, even on high level, the difference of the aesthetics, the stability isn't that great. Like it's it's more or less within a similar category. Like the if if you and I've done this, if you screenshot a bunch of different hand balancers in a one arm straddle handstand, it look pretty similar. And I would argue to a degree that like the difference you see is more up to their body shape, structure, etc rather than them being like radically different differently placed with a body than someone else like it seems that, that since we're trying to create stability for example in a one-arm handstand in a way which is rather hard for the body to do there are a couple of ways where it's it's it you're able to utilize more of of um, or like utilize muscles and angles that are more favorable for keeping the balance um, and that it seems that most people that are pretty good at this gravitate towards a similar spectrum of, of placements. You'll usually see the diagonal hips with the legs tilted to one side. To some degree, you'll see an elevated shoulder position. They will be looking at the floor. Uh, often they have a good straddle because a good straddle helps. The free arm will be at like either 90 degree angle or slightly above. Like it'll, it'll be pretty similar even with people who cue very differently. And one thing I started to think about is like, uh, because if you, if you were kind of giving feedback to someone and it's like, Hey, I try this and they kind of, it clicks for them and they go, Whoa, this cue is magic. This is incredible. This changed everything. Either it might, because it doesn't need to be that the cue is magical. It might just be that like, yeah, the right thing got said at the right time, uh, and even for me, like many of the cues that I use, I started thinking about them. Well, maybe the reason I use them is just that like I had success with them on a few people in the beginning. And then I thought, hey, this must be the thing. Or when I learned it, I felt a specific thing that was maybe specific to my body to some degree. And then I go, oh, this must be the, the holy grail or like the key to all of this. So I think it's really important to just keep some level of, of uh, like you need to call bullshit on yourself because we all are full of bullshit. So I think this is an important uh, one to remember that like there are, again, like there are many generalized cues that are great and I would would stick for, to them and defend them as well. But we just need to remember that like this might not be the same for everyone. And um we are human beings and people learn differently. People are at different places in their process with a unique body. So um, I think that it's, even though there are certain things that might give someone a very specific experience of a sudden kind of level up in, in skill, uh, that might not be the, the same for someone else. It might be that it was just like the right thing at the right time. And then if that's the case, and that's great, uh, it might be that... Uh, um, it was also just something that that person really needed and so on and so on. So yeah, important stuff to, to remember and not get too stuck in up in that. Like, yeah, there is this, there is this like end be all process. And if you feel follow that exactly, then it'll all be great. Um, 
And yeah, moving a little on to some um, body stuff. Um, uh, yeah, of course, uh, myths, and this is maybe one of the most classical ones. Nice have everyone and their dog has finally um, like caught up to the to this one now, even in in circles of people where who seem like less kind of deep into the hand balancing stuff, and that is kind of the the abs thing and what I call belly button magic. Um, and that that is not really the case in terms of balancing a handstand. Um, and that is like the yeah, good old one, yeah, like handstand is a core exercise and you need to be so strong in your core and a press to handstand is all about like some like mula banda pulling up something inside your stomach and then like your legs will float and you will bloody bloody blah lengthen and alignment and stuff. Um, and whereas of course there is a speck of truth within some of these things, like it's the point is that like one, first of all, handstand is not a uh, a core exercise whatsoever. It's often presented like that and used like that actually in gymnastics where you're traveling through the handstand and you use it to generate speed and swings and tumbling and stuff like that. So there, there it's a very sensible uh, idea actually. It's just that it doesn't carry over to just standing on your hands because if you if you're in a handstand you should be tensing your core about as much as when you stand on your feet um of course there's some tension happening inside of all, all of the muscle structure there to keep the keep the spine straight and stuff but it's it, it there is no like necessarily extra tension that needed to keep your yourself up in that position um for some people it might feel good to add some tension there and just like awareness or like comfort etc but it's it's not like a necessary thing to to keep tense at all times uh, and for belly button magic yeah that is the the idea that the press just happens from some sort of magic powers inside your inside your abdomen uh, and yeah which is a lie and i think that like one thing which i think has helped to spread this myth is like the presses to headstand because it's rather easy to press to headstand and and here's the thing if you're in a headstand and you're good at headstanding to some degree, and you can, for example, press to headstand, um, you are in a position that is extremely stable. So your head is on the floor, you have a straight line from head to hip. And it's very easy to, since it's such an easy position to hold, you can be very aware of the body and you can concentrate on the midsection. You can really feel, okay, yeah, you shift your hips slightly backwards. And then like as the, the legs come off the floor, you kind of like, rotate the pelvis slightly like or you start moving the pelvis upwards which brings the legs up and it like you of course feel some tension in the abs and stuff like that uh and that makes it and then the assumption is made that oh yeah this must be one to one the same as in handstand but we forget the the leverage that that goes on the shoulders uh and where the leverage on the shoulders is like the main thing that most people need to um handle and learn to deal with when they learn the press to handstand so um yeah like the um of course there is a bunch of midsection action needed when you're doing a press and i would i would still argue that like the best way to feel the actual compression for a press is to do a negative because then you're like actively pulling the legs towards the body for a long time because you're like pulling them down and pulling them towards your chest whereas when you press up you lean towards your hands and your legs are as close to your chest as you can. And as soon as your feet comes off the floor, you start extending your legs away from the body. 
So your abs will still have loads of tension in them as your legs go up to stabilize your entire midsection, but uh, it, you, you feel more of the compression going down than you feel going up very often. Uh, so, or particularly for people that are new at it because they don't know exactly what they're looking for in terms of sensation yet. So, yep, um, that is a classic one. It is a shoulder exercise primarily, but there is, of course, a reasonable amount of, uh, of um, a core compression and flexibility going into the press as well. And... Or if you are very flexible, you can pull off a press without being able to handstand. I've seen it several times, but it's rare. Uh, it's not something you, you come across too often. And the people that are able to do this have usually incredible, like incredibly flexible shoulders um, and very flexible hips. Or they are just absolute like muscle monsters that can just like planche up something and not be able to, to handstand at all. So this could be solved from these two angles of just of force or just very favorable flexibility angles. And ideally you, you would want a decent dose of both uh, for the most amount of options. Um, another thing is the, um, I think this has been like kind of purported a bit from internet with like information overload and this classical kind of internet age thing. And that is the, um, the desire or need to know everything about a practice or a skill to be able to do it. Um, and that like you need to study up and down and understand and understand. And again, again going a bit back to this technique thing, as if there's just an understanding component. Oh, I just need to understand how to fire the muscles correctly. I remember I heard that once of a girl trying to do a stalder. And then, like, she was falling forwards at a certain point in the in the press. And one teacher said, oh, yeah, but you're just not understanding how, how to fire your muscles correctly yet, she said, because you need to stop sticking your head out, uh, the teacher said. And I was like, well, the sticking the head out, head out part correlates exactly perfectly with the point of the movement where she lacks the strength to be able to hold her body. Hence, like, the head moves forwards and she falls front. I tested her in a tuck planche exactly in the same angles. But the observation then being, and then from someone who can do the press being, oh, well, but it's it's just about understanding, quote unquote, that's what you need to do. And uh, again, I think that understanding comes uh, from developing the, the parameters that you need to be able to do it, i.e. strength, flexibility, uh, primarily particularly for a thing such as the press where where like you need to just generate enough force through the particular angles and uh, it will happen and it can like and again as we've talked about many times if you if you do not uh, give yourself any leverage advantage in the press whatsoever you are literally doing a full planche press hands are on floor body straight you lean front until feet come off the floor and then you lift the feet the field all the way to handstand and then if you do and do a version where you leverage uh, flexibility, then you compress the body as much as possible. You press down into the ground, rolling up, trying to make the 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 movement length of the shoulders as short as possible, rather than, than as long as possible, making it de facto easier in relation to how much force you need to produce. But you still need to produce enough force in the in this direction. The amount of force needed again can be mitigated by the amount of flexibility, compression strength, etc., you have. So uh, if you are extremely good at this, you might need to use almost nothing. But again, 
like for for the person with the best stoller in the world once they come to their last rep they're going to start breaking form because there it's it starts being empty in in the direction that we're looking to work then ideally so i hope that uh makes my point clear enough um and um yeah we don't always need to know everything in that sense like you need to practice is like it's a very physical it's a very body experience sensation um uh, thing and this is why no one can explain to you how it feels to balance and this is also why someone who can do a one arm really well goalie yeah but it's easy you just put your weight here and then it's yeah just you just stay there you don't need to move so much oh but yeah well someone who's new to it might need to move a move a lot because they don't have the development of neither the muscles nor the vestibular system and brain to to be able to respond fast and precise enough so um it's it's a process that's that's learned of course through reflection of technique and of understanding but also just yeah the hours spent on your hands um and the last one I thought to go through is the, it also relates to this, it's the holding the body versus balancing the body and how different uh, things these two are. Because you can be very good at one, uh, or you can be very good at holding the body with, with, without being good at balancing the body. The other way around, you'll probably be good at holding the body if you can balance the body, uh, simply because it, there is a causal relationship of being able to do the first before being, being able to do the, the second. Um, so... When you hold the body, all you do is you just create one contraction and you, you maintain it uh, as if you're doing a stomach-to-wall handstand. You just hold the contraction and since, since you do not need to respond to movements, you just hold that contraction and then you do that for as long as you have endurance for and you fatigue and then you start sinking down and in the end you come down. The balancing the body, you are constantly responding to everything that happens inside the fluid bag that is your body and there is a ton more stuff needing to happen and i'm sure most of you that have done a handstand that listen to this know that like the amount of time you can stay freestanding versus on the wall is like usually there is a decent discrepancy there just because of like once you start making a mistake which sends your central mass too far outside of the base of support and you can't recover it you fall immediately while on the wall uh you can just resist and resist and resist literally until the muscles have no more give Whereas you usually have more given the muscles when you lose balance. It's just that like they were not they they were reaching a level of fatigue where they could no longer uh, respond fast enough to be able to um, keep you up there. And this again, as this goes for everyone. If you are the best Chinese hand balancer versus just someone you when you reach the end, it's the end form breaks and you need to to come down and. Yeah, I think I will con conclude it there uh, with um, my favorite new quote uh, re regarding handstands, and that is, gravity always wins. The Handstand Cast is brought to you by Handstand Factory and is produced by Motion Impulse. Thanks for tuning in. You can find a full transcript of each episode, along with the show notes and any relevant references on handstandfactory.com slash podcast. Thanks to Isaac for editing and Jordan for transcriptions. Music by Daniel Horler. If you want to support the show, you can buy us a coffee on buymeacoffee.com or consider starting one of our Handsome Factory online programs. Links are in the show notes.